0: How many of you were here earlier today? Have you already been here before? Ah, oh, Welcome. You guys just want more and more? Yeah. I'm like, okay, if you want to take more, I have more for you. It's good. We're so thankful to be here. This is my first time that I've been even in the Nashville area, in Franklin, and I tell you that you are just a beautiful people and um, just really good looking. And just look around. Tell the, look, tell the person next to you, you're good looking. I'm like, you guys are good looking. We travel around and we can't tell it to everybody. Really, we've been so taken care of and your leaders are so hospitable and wonderful and warm and um, I better be careful. I might wanna move here, you know? (laughs) But we're just so, super thankful, and I love traveling. One of, the fa- one of my favorite things about traveling is just getting a chance to get to know other people and seeing what God is doing around the world. And every time we get to travel, there's a level of an exchange that happens. Because we go to give and pour out who the Lord is in us and what He's doing. But we, I also go to get. I'm like, I don't, I don't want just to give. I'm gonna have exchange because there's an anointing, a gift on you guys that I'm like, oh, I want more of that. And I can feel it in the worship. Even when you, just even the songs that you guys choose and the, the way that you guys lean in, I'm like, oh, I want that too. So I just bless you guys, but just let you know, I'm receiving too. And I'm really excited to um, kind of share what God is doing. And I really, my heart is to come and encourage you. I love the church. I love people. And that's just who the Lord is inside of me. And so I just, I feel like God's put something on my heart that I just want to encourage you with. But I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on in Bethel right now. You see, a few months ago, or I keep saying a few months, time goes really fast. Let's say a month and a half ago, we just had a tragedy in one of our families and it caused us to rally around a family and to fight, to fight for our inheritance, to fight for what Jesus gave his life for, to fight for what we have in him. And it's not always convenient. It's not always popular. And sometimes it's very odd. And this one was all of that. And it was horrific. And um, so as a family, we just gathered around to pray for a little girl that she would be raised from the dead. And because her parents were leading that charge. And it was the the saddest and most amazing special thing that I've seen happen in a family context. In the sense that it was Super tra- it, is, it is tragic. It is tragic to lose um, a baby. And then on the other side, it's so beautiful to see someone stop preserving themselves. Yes. Like I would not preserve myself for you. So even if what uh, me fighting for you and standing in that place, even if it caused me to look like a lunatic, I would do it. And to know that I would stand in truth and to see people all around them stop preserving themselves. Giving up their time, giving up whatever was comfortable in the sense of day and night and taking care of and staying with. And just completely surrounding this family. And everyone rallied around and they just went in to worship King Jesus. Because we know where our authority lies. And it's not just within ourselves. And so what happened to our church is they just went in farther and farther and stuff got thinner and thinner the space between heaven and us and what's crazy is now we are a month and a half later and it's getting more intense so baby girl is in heaven she did not raise from the dead and we're all still walking with the lord and praising him And our biggest desire is to see jesus glorified And so this crazy praise and worship is coming out and bubbling over in our house to where we are just going week by week, service by service. What should we do when we gather? Because we need to steward what's going on. And there's this hunger that we just want more of Jesus. And we just want him to be glorified. So we cannot stop or even let up. We have to go in farther. So there's a crazy thing that's happening right now. And so... Now that we're here meeting, and some of you who've already been in multiple meetings today, I just want to say we don't need more meetings. Yeah. I'm not interested in just coming just to be with you. I, I do love church. I like to church can be a lot of things, though. It's not always meetings. It happens to be a lot of meetings. But when you're here. I want to pray that the Lord would take you into an encounter with him and that this would not just be a time, but it'd be a time where you are apprehended because that's, God is flipping things really fast. The thing that I'm seeing is why we are in worship and why God is stirring stuff inside of us. He's changing things, just flipping the script instantly. And I love inner healing. I love Sozo. I love discipline and I love journey. Like I'm a, I'm, I love that stuff. But what I'm seeing God do is things that we have prayed for and longed for for a long time. We've gone after things. We've done our sozos. We've done our inner healing. And still like, gosh, I don't know why I'm still carrying this around. I'm seeing as we're in worship before him, things are changing in a second. And when this second service, I had everyone stand up. And I'm going to have you. Why don't you stand up right now? Why don't you grab a hand? I want to pray for you. But when I prayed for second service, and just wanting to bless you guys and to be able to receive what God is doing. I actually saw you guys changing and it was almost like a, um, one of those weird sci-fi movies where like someone actually changes their identity and their skin's all moving and it's really weird. So I'm not a big sci-fi person, but I saw you changing so much that your shape was changing. And so I just wanna bless you and what God is doing in you that as we encounter him, that he would encounter us and things that need to move in the shape that needs to change. I just bless it to change in Jesus' mighty name. So I bless your spirit right now to receive all that God has for you. I bless your spirit to be present even while I'm speaking. Lord, that you would encounter us and I ask Lord that you would stir up our hunger that we would not miss what you're doing and we know it's not a season to sit on the sidelines. If ever there was a time that you could just sit and coast on the sidelines, now is not the time. That the Lord is preparing his bride and we say yes. This is a time to respond. It requires action. So Lord, I just bless everybody with the courage to be present. Wake up, church. Wake up. Wake up. Stir up the hunger, Lord stir up the hunger so I bless this body of believers I bless this family open up our eyes to see you God I just say yes and amen to the destiny of God over your lives amen amen Amen. you can sit down we're just gonna get started here we're gonna have fun I've done enough church we don't just want to just be here we're gonna receive I my prayer is that you are different than the way you came in when you leave So things are changing really fast in so many regards on a large scale. But even in our own personal family, it's being mirrored. So we have two daughters. I thought about putting up a picture, but I'm sorry, I didn't. Um, (laughs) We have um, Kennedy and Sayla. Sayla is our 18-year-old, and Kennedy is our 20-year-old. And Eric and I are just in a different season of life. You know, um, we are spending a lot more time together, alone, (laughs) When our weekends come, we just do whatever we want because there's no one else to take care of. Um, And it's just been really um, a good time. It's just a different time. And see, Selah graduated in June, and then she went off to New Zealand and did YWAM for six months. Super cool experience, something that I did when I graduated from high school, loved it, marked my life. So we were very excited for her, and she got completely wrecked, and transformed, and healed, and marked, and it was incredible, and you just have to drop, uh, pick your jaw up off the floor when you talk to her, like, what in the world are you doing, Lord? It is crazy. She would just call us crying, and, and talking about, did you know that God is so good? We're like, yes, that's our main message. <laughs> But she had to go to New Zealand to, for it to go to a deeper level, for it to mean something to her. And that's okay. <laughs> no, she, it, was, it was incredible, the stuff that God did inside of her that she was able to grasp. And it, it just was something really personal. So this crazy transformation happens. We pick her up in December. And, um, and then our older daughter, she's been at home. She's doing fun esthetician stuff and being super diligent. It's fun to see her step into who she is. And I love that our kids' journeys are different. Like, it's so good, and I just, I'm always like, let there just be grace for you to be you. And it's just fun to see who God is inside of them. But what's crazy is our other daughter ends up going to Switzerland for 10 days. She just got home one week ago, and she was gone for 10 days. And it is, she just went to get trained on microblading, uh, tattoos on your eyebrows. I don't know if you know that stuff or not, but I'm getting well informed about what that is. So she goes away for 10 days, and what happens to her in 10 days when she's supposed to just be getting trained, but she's staying with a Christian family who's on fire for God, who has kids that are around her age, and she is completely marked, and everything inside of her just flipped upside down. I'm like, oh, that happened in 10 days? Like, even the stuff that, how you were talking about your life and countries and things, because we've traveled a lot in our lives, but you know how, like, when you're a kid, how you perceive and. and take ownership of things versus when you're adult and you step into the same thing. So you could travel and interact with nations, but it doesn't mean it's your passion or that you have a heart for it. But then in 10 days, something just shifted in her. And, um, and I'm like, oh gosh, Lord, you're speeding things up. What happened? What took six months for one daughter, took 10 days for another daughter. Wow. He is speeding things up and flipping things on at least like fast, changing, flipping the script. Wow. Wow. So when we are in his presence... I just want to tell you that anything's possible. You just don't know. And I just want to just bless your faith to even lean in farther. Things that you have prayed for, for a long time, I actually think he's going to give you in a moment. The Lord loves the church. He loves us. The church was always his desire. And I love the church. And I believe that he's making us beautiful. The funny thing about the church is that it's made up of people. See about the thing about people is they're on a journey. We're on a journey. I mean, look around this room, think about the people in your life, and you're like, oh, they're on a journey. I mean, I could tell you about that. But if we were to be honest with ourselves, we could say, We're on a journey. Why don't you tell your neighbor and say, I'm on a journey? Like I'm gonna own this one. I am on a journey. And the Lord is changing us and making us beautiful. He's actually making us glorious. It was always his desire. It was always his intent. What's crazy is when when I read the word of how he talks about the church, the church, he talks about the church being his bride. He talks about the church being his body. I don't know how much more intimate that you could be. Anyone here married? Like marriage is intimate. He talks about us being his bride. When Eric and I got married 20, over 22 years ago, I remember walking down the aisle, and I was giddy. I was laughing. I mean, I had waited for this moment for all of my 21 years of life. <laughs> That's a long time when you're 21, and we had both dreamed about it. I mean, you just hold. marriage is one of the biggest decisions that you can make. And I remember walking down and I was so excited, so much anticipation. And as I looked down the, down the aisle, as I'm, my dad's walking me down, I could see Eric wiping his eyes. And then I got closer and I could hear him sobbing. <gasps> I mean, it wasn't just a little cry. It was like full on sobs. And I'm like, oh no, I, I mean, I, I think this is a good thing. Like we both want this, right? And we have different responses to things that are really valuable to us. And I I was at church the other day, I went to one of our other campuses. We have a church at a theater downtown and I love to just go visit our different campuses. And it was just such a beautiful space where people were connecting and health was happening and worshiping the Lord. And as I was in worship there, I saw just the same scene. I saw the Lord, I saw Jesus at at the foot of the altar. And I saw the bride coming. I'm like, oh, oh, Lord, you're getting us ready. And I feel your desire. And I remember just being in that with Eric, walking down. That, and I'm like, that's how the Lord likens it to us. How he thinks and desires us in that intimate space. In Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. If anyone's married, you know that marriage is a lot about Dying to yourself. I mean, that's what it just says right there. You must like dying to yourself if you're choosing to get married. And that's really what love is. If you look at almost all the times to talk about Christ choosing love, it says, love and gave. Love and give. Do you know that one of the, the primary acts of love is giving? Giving of self. Because that's the that's the most precious thing that you could give is yourself. And God loved us so much that he gave himself. He loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse and let these words go deep because that's what he's doing inside of us. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church. We might not seem glorious yet. Like you could say, you know, I could tell you this about the church. I could tell you this. Our history is what it is. But I can tell you things are changing really fast. And he is making us glorious, but there is a response required from us. It isn't something that you just watch and be like, wow, look what God is doing. Because it's in you. And the thing is, is he doesn't make our decisions for us. But he is making us glorious. And it's time for us just to go, yes, Lord, here we are. We say yes to what you're doing. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. We are his dream and his desire. And he doesn't want us to stay how we are. But that's why things are changing so fast. And I say this to encourage you because whatever your experience or history is with church, it's going to change really fast it is changing really fast. And it's not just at Bethel. And it's not just here. He's doing something across the globe with his bride because he's getting us ready. And there's momentum and movement. And I actually see the walking of the bride down the aisle. So I bless us in our journey. Yeah, Lord, that you could have your way. Lord, and and in it, his dream is always for intimacy. I mean, because that's the whole thing about the bride and the body. You can't get more intimate than being a part of you. Like, I don't, I mean, there's, what else can, I could give you my heart, my kidney, then I get to be a part of you. I'm like, we are a body and Christ is the head. Instead of you talk about, we wanting to praise Jesus, and I'm talking about the, how we're leaning in even farther and this authentic praise and worship, I believe that it's connected to us being a body. Like it's not just a worship service with music, which I love that, but it's way bigger than that. It's way more holistic that we come together as a body because that's, that's the only way that he's going to be glorified. He's not going to just take one part and be like, oh, this is my fullness. I am, I am honored. The head is honored and glorified when only part of me is there. He is taking all of us. And number one, I just want to say that he's making us whole. That is what's going on. That's what God likes to do. He likes to take broken things and put them together. He likes to take parts parts, and put them together. Because that's what the body does. It's made of all these different parts. It's so amazing that it's hard for me to even grasp and fathom how dynamic the body is. It's so dynamic that we actually have a hard time understanding each other. Because that's the thing. When you're dynamic, like in your own part, in your own function, it's like, That is incredible. That itself could be the main piece, but it's not. It's just a part of this amazing thing that has so many dynamic, functional parts. So as Jesus is getting glorified and his bride is getting made whole, we are huge parts of that. It's essential that we fully understand who we are, but also step into our destiny. For him to be glorified, we have a responsibility to step into our destiny. And no one is exempt from this. And it's easy to be, like, understand people who maybe are more visible. Like, oh, of course, they need to step into our destiny. But if you're sitting in this room, I just want to tell you that you need to step into your destiny. The world is waiting for you, but Jesus is waiting for you. You are not exempt, even if you feel like no one else sees you. You are essential. You are essential to the bride. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness who fills all in all. I love that because I want the fullness of Christ. Whenever I read that in scripture, I'm like, yep. And the fullness of Christ, because that's what I want. I don't want just a part. I don't want just what I have experienced. I want it all. And I tell you, years ago, we started doing these black history celebrations. We have some really beautiful, talented, anointed, gifted black people in our church. But to give you context for Reading in Northern California, and I grew up in Eureka, which is uh, three hours on the coast of Reading, and Northern California is not the most diverse place on the planet, specifically Redding. Um, I believe that, if we're going to even talk about black, I believe that we are under 3% uh, black population in Reading. So I don't know what to do with that. We tend to be growing more and more, I think with the school of ministry and what's happening at Bethel, we are getting more colorful colorful, and all different ethnicities, which is really fun. Um, so we have people that are our family that are coming in and they are like, telling me about how important like who what their history is which I believe is important but also they're part of our family so I'm like let's make room let's let's change and add not change let's add to who we are the Lord is making us more beautiful thank you Lord in Reading that we are getting more color more spice we had a Christmas party that was called um oh something was it black and what did you say It was something like um, a black... Yeah, maybe it was black and brown spice party or something. We have enough people at our church to have a black and brown spice party. (laughs) Like a happy or a Merry Christmas party. So um, we have this beautiful community. And one of the um, gals is... Um, has so much experience with performances. She goes, we would love to do a whole month in teaching our church about just the history of um, blacks, African-Americans, and talk through just what the journey has been and, um, and would love to do a gospel celebration. I'm like, that is beautiful. Oh my gosh, you are such a gift. Because it's hard for me to try to be something that I'm not. You know, but I'm like, ah, but with you, why don't you come over here and let's do this together. So, we did this, uh, led up, did a few different things. But one of the things that we did was um, a performance, and one of the times we did a black we did a Black History celebration. Then we did a gospel celebration. I tell you, both of those nights, after we're we're sitting there, it's mixed with worship, gospel, history, and we just at the end just did gospel worship, and we ended that night. And I'm like, I am different. I am forever changed. I'm like, what, what changed? You know, you're just processing. I'm like, I experienced more of God tonight. Something that I didn't carry, but I am more whole right now because I, of who God has put in my family. I'm like, oh gosh, I would never experience that had I not had my brothers and sisters get closer and closer. Because it isn't something that I carry. But when I, have them, when I have them with me and I honor them, I'm like, oh, I get that. And there's anointing and breakthrough that they carry that I don't have. We just did a women's gathering in September and we have a gospel choir. That's just a, we've, been, we've built all this different stuff. So now we're a little bit years down the road. And I had them do uh, the worship for the night for our women. And I had never experienced that level of breakthrough. Wow. And I was just going, Lord, thank you for the anointing that's even on the gospel sound. Yeah. Yes. That's not Bethel music. That's, right. yeah. that's, that's not from little white Northern California. It didn't, the roots are not there. And I'm like, oh, oh, I am so blessed because I am more full. I am deeper in the Lord and more full because of who I'm connected to. So I am thankful for being a part of the body of Christ. I am thankful for the, for the fullness of Christ. But for me to experience, I must embrace my brothers and sisters. It's not gonna happen if I stay with people who just look like me. And it's easy. it's easy for us to connect with people who look like us. Do you know a lot of us just like who we are in other people? Right. <laughs> I, like the, I like me and you. You know, like, oh, you're just like me. That is so cool. Yeah. But that's not a body. You actually get to be around something that's different than you to be a part of something that's greater than you. So, Lord, help us. To know how to value it. He's making us whole. Number two, he's working out something in us and through us. That is a good thing. In us and through us. Philippians 1 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you are worried and you think there's no hope, I have already been on this journey for a long time and I have lost hope. I tell you today, he's not done. You're still breathing. You're still here. There is hope. He, you, we are in a process. So do not give up. Do not give up. I say be strong and courageous. May the Lord strengthen you in your heart and your spirit wherever you're at on your journey. Because he's not done. And I'm thankful. I look in the mirror. I'm still on a journey. I'm like, whoa, Lord, how are we going to do this? I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, you're not done. And it's not all dependent on me. Yeah. He's, he is so good. Number three, his love is being perfected in us and is purifying us in our worship and adoration. There is something in worship and adoration. And I don't want to minimize worship and adoration to just when we're together and the music's playing. Those are always fun to be in corporate worship. But anywhere in our heart's desire and our affection when they're turned to Him, there's something that's purifying inside of us. It's like when... um When you land, if you're going to come to Redding, a lot of people land in Sacramento. It's one of the biggest cities that's closest to us. Two and a half hour drive. You land into the airport and you drive down I-5, a long straight stretch of highway. And during um, that drive, I-5 is surrounded by fruit trees and olive trees on the side. And when you're going on your way to Redding, there is so many bugs on that portion of the highway. Just lots of bugs. So you're driving around, you know, and it's it's. Pretty flat, straight, boring, but you're driving and there's just bugs. So you're just, you know, getting thicker and thicker and thicker. And then after a while you're like, I better try to clean this off. And then you do the wipers and it makes it worse. Because there's so many bugs, it just smears. And you're like, that was a bad idea. And I feel like some of our own attempts because of what God is going to do in us and because of our journeys, even our own attempts, I think sometimes just smear it. And I think attempting, like I'm never going to stop attempting. I'm like, Lord, I am in this. I am a fighter. I will go down fighting. I've, and if I'm, one, if I'm anything, I am perseverant. Like, good luck trying to get rid of me. But it doesn't always have a lot of fruit. But when the Lord's in it and we're in his presence and he washes us, it's like, oh, this is what I wanted. And now I have clarity. Because when he purifies us, there's clarity. And that's what he's doing in our times of worship. He's cleaning stuff off, cleaning our lenses off. And they have to be clean. Because if you don't have clean lenses, you don't even know where he's at. You're like, yes, Lord, I love you and I'm going to do this. And you're like, you didn't even know he was over there. Because there were so many bugs on your lenses. So we have to be in a space where we're worshiping, adoring him, whatever that looks like. It's a heart posture. It can happen when you're waking up, when you're at the grocery store and you're brushing your teeth. It's a heart posture. So I bless the Lord's Purification in your life, in your times of worship, that spaces that were crowded and chaotic or even polluted, I bless them and I just let it, I just say, let them fall. Let them be washed off. I believe that He's perfecting and purifying us in the surrender. There's something special. That's happening in in all the times that even we gather, I see it. And the biggest thing I could say is people are giving themselves fully and just laying it down. And the surrender is even, I've seen even the surrender that things are even, they're surrendering, surrendering purposes, surrendering dreams, surrendering like everything, even the things that we hold most dear. I'm seeing it being laid down at his feet and there's something special. It's like the sweet fragrance coming up. It's like the, it's like, that's, I think the self preservation. Cause you know, even in a good way, you're like, we need dreams. What's your 10 year vision. I mean all that. Like I know where I'm going, like laying all of it down, all of it. And when, and when we're doing that, that's where I'm seeing the transformation happen. Like things that we thought were important are not becoming important. And things that we um, organized one way, he's changing it all around. But it's happening in surrender. So it's not even happening by us trying to organize everything. It's just happening as we're just going, Lord, this is everything that I hold dear. This is everything that I have. And I'm just going to lay it down and surrender all to you. Because you're worthy. You're worthy. In that heart posture, it, there's something, something so special happening. That's perfect. Being perfected in us, that's purifying us, that's transforming us. Another thing that I'm seeing happening, and this one is giving me hope. And even you know, we're in church leadership, which you would th- in Bethel you would think that's perfect. Like, it's a good place. People say Bethel is like Disneyland, and I'm like, oh, that's a happy place. Um, but I can tell you that we're not perfect. We're not perfect, and you know we're surrounded by humans. So that gives you a, a little bit of glimpse. They're beautiful and amazing humans, but we're humans, and um, and we were at a meeting the other night, and this this scripture stuck out to me because I think I I think I experienced it, and it's giving me hope. And it's Romans twelve ten. It says, "Being kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another." I'm like, oh gosh. That's a whole nother level of worship. That's, right. That's, right. that's another level of worship. That's like not as easy as just singing and even dancing crazy down here. Like dancing crazy down here and being undignified. Like that's one level of sacrifice. But to actually prefer someone above yourself, I'm like, oh, I see Jesus being glorified. Because how could my body work together if it didn't prefer each other? Like, oh, my hand always has to lead. We're going to go over here, you know. I'm like, no, no, that's not how my body works. I'm like, I was at a meeting and we had all of our teams that are a part of our Sunday services, which are lots of different teams from production to worship to speakers, pastors, to custodial. I mean, it's to security, all these different teams. I don't know if there's like 150 people. And we're just talking about what God is doing and the season that we're in. And through it all, I could feel this love bubbling up. Like, I actually prefer you more than I prefer myself. I prefer your purpose more than I prefer my purpose, which is crazy, especially when you get to a place where there's a big stage and there's lots of people and influence, which really pulls on lots of our desires, you know, because I'm going to change the world. I'm like, but I, how does that look when I prefer you more than I prefer myself? I'm like, oh. Now that is the Lord being perfected in us. So I have hope. The Lord is doing a deep work. Thank you, Lord. So I'm praying that the Lord takes us even to another level of preferring each other. Because I believe that is step one of love being perfected in us. Love being perfected in us. There's something about the doing and living it out. That's why family is so important. You know, in our mission statement, we say that we are a vibrant family of hope-filled believers. And it goes on to talk about presence and transformation. But it was essential that we said a vibrant family. And I can tell you, there's people who do family better than us. We're not the masters of it. But we are getting better, and we're not changing the subject. Because that's where love gets worked out. You have to live it out somewhere. You have to aim it towards someone. And the people who get most affected by it are the people who live around you. And there's something that God's doing in, in what he's doing. He's purifying us. He's making us beautiful. He's establishing us. And do you know that's what doing does? It's the difference between hearing, being hearers of the word, and what people who do the word and put it into practice are like those who build their house on the rock. He's establishing the church, but it's so important that we don't just come to church and listen to sermons. Right. Oh, yeah. Some of us really like it. Some of us don't like it, but we all do it. But what do you do with what you hear? What do you do with what you read in the word? He is establishing his church, which is us taking truth and aiming it and putting it in us, letting it transform us, and then aiming it out. That generally happens in family, community, city. It's wherever you live. Lord, help us get better at doing that. I think to do that, we have to become better at being more present, too. And that's a challenge for this day and age where where we're at with all the technology, our phones. I left mine down there. Sometimes it just makes you feel naked, like, oh, where is it? I need to know, do be, be connected. But for us to actually be present with God, with ourselves, and with the people around us. So I pray that the Lord would even help us to do that more. Because I believe that's a big part in us being doers of the word. God is unifying his church. And we know that unity is powerful. We know Psalms 133. The blessing of unity. Like, oh, powerful. But if we really knew how powerful it was, we would be faster to drop drop our stuff. If we truly knew how powerful unity was, we would be the first ones to lay down. So I pray that the Lord would show us The value for us being parts of each other. That we're not just individual beings. And it's actually part of him being glorified. They're not a separate conversation. It's this holistic thing that he comes and fills. And it's unity with a lot of different. There's so many facets to unity. Because see, we know what the devil wants to do. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And one of the main ways he does that is he divides. And just creates walls. It happens so easy. And one of the challenges for us is being unified with someone who's different than us. And just like I said, because we like us and other people. So when we're different, we're like, huh, how do I value someone who's not like me? You know, maybe we're a different age. You're in a different generation. Generations think a lot differently. I work with a lot of people who are a lot younger than me and a lot older. And it's like, well, we didn't do that when I was younger. That is really weird. That must be very millennial. And I'm on the borderline of millennial. And then they have the older people and they're the way they do stuff. And I'm like, that is not how we do things. <laughs> what are you thinking? And I'm like, what does it look like to prefer in the different space? And what I love, Dan Fairley, I guess, has come here quite a bit, but he loves to talk about brave communication. One of my favorite things about brave communication, because I believe communication is like 99% of our issues, I do. I mean, if you've been married, I don't know, I'd say Eric and I, in our first year of marriage, it was like, any issues we had, they weren't heart issues. It's like, of course I love you. But what did you just say? It's like, because I heard this. Well, why did I mean that? I'm like, well, we got to figure out our communication. Yeah. But one of the main things in brave communication, one of, the, one of the, um, the keys to it is before trying to be understood, seek to understand. Like oh that's so hard cuz when you just are very aware of yourself what you want you want to make sure people know what you're talking about yeah. This is what I mean I'm Like oh if I was going to prefer you I lean in and go help me understand what are you saying What do you mean What is that Oh okay Why are you kneeling at a football game when we do the national anthem That doesn't make sense to me it's actually offensive Maybe I don't understand. I think there's something that I don't understand. We need to lean into each other. And to be full of love, you give. Jesus did. He was the perfect model. And when you're in family and in relationship, we get the opportunity to do that. To go, no, actually you first. Oh, okay. Well, I come from a totally different. I never experienced that. I have no clue what you're talking about. I just didn't know. And I would never know if I never leaned in and listened. Lord, help us to be good listeners. For us to be unified. I do not believe that we can be in unity without being good listeners. Because listening is one of the biggest parts of communication. And so many times we're all talking, nobody's listening, and we call it communication. But there's no exchange of information. So Lord, help us. Because he's making us beautiful. I have hope in a glorious bride. Do you know, I was given a word once um, by a prophet and you know, when people give words like prophetic people traveling on, you're like, do you say this to everybody or are you just saying it to me? So I'm not really sure. I don't, I, I'm not sure on that one, but it resonated with me. And what he told me is he said, Candace, I see you as the maid of honor to the bride of Christ. And I was like, what? He goes, do you know what the maid of honor does? He goes, it gets the bride ready and beautiful. I'm like, well, that's my heart. I just want to see the bride of Christ healthy and whole. And I believe he's doing that to us. Thank you, Lord, for your heart for us. I pray that his heart would go deep in us. That it wouldn't just be words. And wouldn't be knowledge, but he'd take it deeper and deeper. That we'd be willing to fight for it or even lay down for it. Even in places that cost us. Even in places that we were wronged. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bear with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is only one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, And father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. There's a lot of ones right there. In ones and even in diverse spaces. I talked about generations, but we also have races. We also have personalities. There are so many different things that can come and divide us. And then what happens in our logic, we can start saying, it's okay. We're just really different. We don't need to be one. I'm like, that's the biggest lie ever. And you know where that lie comes from—the pit of hell. And if there's any spaces in our lives that we have been okay with just rationalizing why we don't need to work in work to get closer towards each other, I just pray the Lord would expose those in us right now. Because I believe that there is a space that He's calling us into humility—that that we cannot have uh, unity without humility because of our diversity. So relationships, relationships are the way we relate to each other, the way we connect to each other. And I believe that for us to step into the fullness of Christ, that he wants to teach us a lot more how to relate to each other. In so many spaces and times, things get locked up. So um, there's a story I want to share with you. Years ago, this is actually quite a while ago when our daughters were probably like second and third grade, a lot younger. And Bill and Benny bought a houseboat uh, at Lake Shasta. It's this beautiful, giant lake close to Redding. And it was their dream to get a houseboat for to make family memories. And uh, Benny's parents had a houseboat when uh, their family was growing up. And so they buy this ginormous houseboat. It's a two-story. There's, like, three different rooms in it, this beautiful kitchen. We were just in awe They spent a great amount of money on it, and um, we were all going to go out to enjoy it for the first time. I believe it was May, um, and so it was just kind of almost summertime, but not yet summer. And all of us, we had some, we had, I don't think, Gabe, Gabe and Leah might not have had all their kids yet. Maybe they had just a couple. So we had all of Bill, Benny, Eric and I Brian, Jen, Gabe and Leah and our kids are the oldest then I think Brian and Jen might have had their two I don't know if their youngest was born yet and then Gabe and Leah had a few so lots of little kids it ended up being, we were very excited but we, went, we decided to meet like 9 or 10 in the morning so it was very early so even on a summer day which is warm it still wouldn't be crazy warm at that time well this day ended up happening to be very very windy, so windy that um, there were white caps on the lake and it's a huge Lake, and so we go out there, they're at the docks, and we're right down by Shasta Dam, and so the shore of that area is just rocks, giant rocks on the shore, and it's a new boat to, uh, to them and to us, and so we're just trying to figure it all out, and it's not a little thing to drive a giant houseboat like that. Um, it can be actually quite stressful, but we were so excited to be together and to share like memories, so we all get out there, we're wearing, we're not wearing, we have swimsuits on, but we have like sweatshirts and jackets and um, hoodies on over that and we all get out there and Bill or Chris and Kathy had little sea at that time and so we borrowed them because we were just going to go have fun on the lake together and um, Brian and Eric were taking the sea out. Uh, all the other adults were on the boat with the kids and so we go out and all the other people are inside watching the kids. Our kids are the oldest so I'm not needing to be right with them. So Gabe and I and Bill are kind of being the ones navigating the houseboat while Brian and Eric are driving the Sea-Dews. And the thing about driving the Sea-Dews is because it was so windy, there was white caps. Every time that they would drive and splash, the water just splashed right on them because it was so windy. So they're driving and it's freezing, but, you know, like, oh, they'll be okay. You know, they can tough it out. We're driving out there, going to go find a spot out in the lake. And as we're driving, someone had this idea um, to the ski-doos up to the boat so that Brian and Eric can get off the sea-doos and be warm. And then we'll go out there together. So we're driving out. And houseboats are kind of, they don't go crazy fast. But we're driving. And um, I don't remember whose was first, but let's just say Eric. And he threw his rope towards us. While we're still moving out there slowly, throw the rope towards us. And I don't, I'm do sure it wasn't me, but whoever it was didn't catch the rope didn't catch the rope. And um, I was telling this the other day and Gabe's like, it wasn't me, it was Bill. <laughs> um, and I tried to help, but it didn't work. Um, all of a sudden, you know, the rope goes and it's just, we're like, oh no, we're gonna miss it. But then the motor's going, and all of a sudden you hear, and it stops. And we're like, what was that? What was that? They're like, I think it was the rope and the propeller of the houseboat? Yes, of the houseboat. Oh no. And then all of a sudden in the, in the silence, the boat that's like a wall and the wind is going, whoo, and there's rocky shore right there. And I'm like, oh no, we're going to ruin your really expensive houseboat on the first time that we go to use it. Cause there's just plant, plant, pontoons on the side, just these metal things. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. And so instantly we look at each other and I'm like, someone's got to go in the water underneath the boat where the propeller is. And I'm like, they're not going to, I have to get in there right now. Go get a knife. And so I just take off my outer clothes, have a swimsuit on. And I jump in, gave hands me a knife. And I'm just like, I have to do this because their boat is going to get ruined. But it was all locked up and it wouldn't work. So I'm like, Bill, are you sure the motor is turned off? (laughs) Yes, it's turned off. So when I cut, it's not going to turn on. It's not going to turn on. Okay. So I just go down and I just remember it's freezing. So you could barely breathe, but you're just have a knife and keep the other hand separate. Knife, cut, 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 you know, because we have to save their boat. I feel so bad. And um, I cut get the rope off. I get out of the water. He starts the engine. And before we hit the rocky shore, and we just coast, start going away from the shore. We saved the houseboat that day. Very, very thankful. Yeah. <laughs> I was a part of saving the houseboat. The thing about that is nobody tried to make that happen. Like, it was never our goal. We were just going along, and we were trying to work together, and it was an accident. It just kind of happened, and everything got locked up. No one intentionally put the rope in the propeller, but we were on this big blessing. We were working together. We were excited to be together, and in the midst of that, something got locked up. And do you know how many times that happens in relationships? We are just going along, being family, being church, being neighbors, and no one's trying to hurt anybody. And then all of a sudden happens, and it's locked up. It's like, oh, what are we going to do? I'm not doing anything. It was their fault. He didn't catch the rope. It was his dumb idea. What are we going to do? I don't know. You better figure it out. It wasn't my boat. You're ruining your investment, not mine. I'm like, oh, no. No. I believe that the Lord is, is calling us specifically in places of relationship where things are locked up. I believe that he is calling us to be humble. Yeah. To be humble because nothing is going to get changed, fixed, healed without humility. Yeah. In a space where something's locked up, someone's going to have to get humble. And someone's going to have to go underneath the boat. Is it going to be you? I believe that that's what love looks like being purified in us and perfected in us that we actually have the ability to say, I would happily get underneath that boat. Like it would be my honor and I hope I can do it before we hit the rocks. This is the part of worship that is a little bit different and sometimes harder than dancing undignified in front. But I don't know how many of us could say, yeah, if I look at my life, there are places where things are locked up. There are places where things are divided or broken. And what I want to do as I conclude tonight or this afternoon is I want to make sure and pray for us because I believe that the Lord is, has us on a journey and he's flipping things really fast. And part of him flipping it really fast is us responding and saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to say yes to you. I'm going to surrender. And I'm not just going to be a hearer of the word, but I'm going to be a doer. And it's going to be perfected in me, but it's going to go through me. And so I actually want to pray for anyone who's in this room that you would say, yes, when when you're talking, Candice, you're talking about things getting locked up or things, brokenness in relationships or walls in relationships. I have somewhere in my life, I have that, and I don't want that anymore, and I've worked on it for years, and I can't figure out a solution. But I want to say yes to what God is doing, and even if that means for humility and love. And I want to pray for you. So if that's you and you have any brokenness in any relationship, I want to pray for you because I believe that there is going to be a grace of love and humility released here today. So if you have any areas of brokenness in any relationship and you want healing and wholeness, I want to pray for you. Nobody out of all of these people, thank you, brave ones. I'm like, I don't believe you. Not everybody has to stand, but if you want prayer for that, I'm like, no, you guys are more honest than that. (laughs) I believe that today there's gonna be a grace released because it's part of worship and it's part of our response to him and it's something that he does in us. Put your hand on your neighbor right next to you because even in this, we're gonna aim it towards the person next to us. So I thank you, Lord, for your grace. I thank you that there's nothing too great for your love. And I speak right now, I speak hope to every single person standing. I want you to think of the situation. I want you to think of the person. And right now, I pray your perfect love over that person and situation. I pray that the person that we're, held, that we're holding on to, I pray that there would be an extra measure of grace and love for relationships, any brokenness in relationships right now. Lord, that you would even give them another level of hope and faith to what it would look like to walk that out. And even what it would look like to go underneath the boat and start start sawing with their knife. Even if it costs being cold. Even if it costs being a little bit awkward. Lord, I bless the person next to me. We bless them. And I thank you, Lord, that your love is great in them. I thank you that the banner over you is love. That that is your story and that's what's being perfected in you. So put your hand on your heart. And Lord, start right here with me. I ask, Lord, that you would, in your grace, and your kindness, Lord, that you would give me the strength and the courage to humble myself. Yeah, that your love would go deeper and deeper and deeper in me. Yeah, and I pray for any areas of brokenness right now. I speak life, 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 hope. And I pray even while people are sleeping, I pray that he would give you dreams with these relationships and people in it specifically, and that God would show you His heart for them and show you the truth. Yeah, and that Lord, that you would clear, that you would completely purify. In your love, everyone who's standing, and you give them eyes to see you, and eyes to see you and the people that they're praying for and standing for right now. Yeah, so I bless you. I bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And I just want to ask everyone to stand. I'm going to close. And just as a body of people, I just want us to put our hands out. And just in response saying, Lord, give us, give us yourself. We love you. You're our desire. You're our desire. And I pray that you as the head of the body, as the head of us, would be so glorified With us individually and then us corporately. Yeah, and I pray that you would take your love and just let it go deeper and deeper and deeper and that you would connect us with the other parts of the body. Yeah, and people that are different than us. And I pray that there'd be a new grace on you, a new grace on you to love what you don't know and to have ears to hear people, to hear stories and even a heart's desire To know people. Yeah. So I bless you, body of Christ. I bless you in your journey. I bless you. I pray that your grace, you'd have so much grace. You'd have more than enough grace for yourself. Even in the journey. Instead of shame, you would laugh. You would laugh and it's like, yep, it's part of the journey. It's actually kind of funny. I pray you'd have so much grace for the people around you. That even when they make mistakes, that instead of, judgment and anger that you actually find joy because they're on a journey too so I thank you Lord for your grace let it be just the um the ligaments that hold us together yeah Yeah, so I bless you grace center in Jesus mighty name Amen. amen amen bless you guys